Welcome to another inspirational teaching from Faith Family Church by Senior Pastor Mike DeBenke. For more information about our ministry, visit us on the web at myffc.tv. something new about tithing since we've been doing this series okay good so we're not wasting our time um, the, the series will be coming to an end most likely next week um, today we're just going to pick up where we left off but I want to start with prayer um, we have some another loss in the family pastor Eric's step uncle was killed last week in an accident on a construction site and uh, we want to pray for the family as they go through that. He was only in his 50s. He had a family. Uh, just just a, a tragic thing. Um, so, And we also want to make sure we keep lifting up our... Uh, well, actually, we need to lift up the whole country and the world with what's going on. You know, the Bible talks about that Israel is a cup of tripling. And what that means is, is that what happens there will... will um, uh, ripple all the way through the world and that's what's happening now because of that small I mean it's so small you can't really see it piece of land we've got nations ready to go to battle we've got just incredible atrocities going on all over the world now I mean there's riots and there's protests that turn into riots uh, in every major city in the United States uh, in every major city across the world and uh, it's getting worse uh, there's some um, synagogues that have been firebombed here in the United States. There's um, Jewish people who have been attacked, and they tried to kill them. I don't know if there's been any actual deaths yet, but just the amount of atrocity that's going on, we need God's help in this. Amen? And the Bible says, and we'll look at this later, but it says, you have not because you ask not. So we're to go before the throne in a time of need. And we can expect to receive, when we go there, mercy and grace. Mercy is, is um, being treated like we're as washed as white as snow because of what Jesus did. We're or no, mercy is, is God looks at us and says, okay, I'm going to do this for you. Grace is God coming up and saying, hey, I'm going I'm to move through you in such a powerful way that people are going to know that God showed up. How many know it's good when God shows up? So we're going to pray, and then we're going to jump right in. Heavenly Father, we just we thank you that we have a God to pray to in these situations and these times. We right now lift up uh, Pastor Eric's family, his stepdad Mark, and, and all of their extended family, and everyone who was touched with that tragedy. We just, we just ask for the comfort of the Holy Spirit to come. And, and to minister to those who are hurting and suffering due to this tragedy. We want to pray for all the loss, damage, and um, injuries that have been committed in the name of protest uh, for 
a battle that's been raging for thousands of years. But Father, we thank you, you can show up. You love people on both sides of this battle. And you're there for people on both sides of this battle. So we pray that eyes would be open, ears would be ready to hear, and hearts would be ready to receive the truth of the gospel. The only answer to this, this battle going on is for both sides to bow their knees and to worship you as their Lord and Savior. So Father, we ask that. We thank you for supernatural manifestations of, of the reality and the power of God's word to show up in such a way that Christ can't be denied. We thank you for blessing us and let us let our light shine in a dark world, but keep us and our family, our church, our church family, keep us safe. We bind the devil. We said no spirit of Hamas has the right or the ability to come here. No weapon formed will prosper. And we just thank you that angels stand guard around us here in our homes to keep us safe as we walk out the plan that you have for us. We ask this, we believe we receive it, we declare we'll be better when we leave than when we got here, and it's in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Praise God. Well, guys, I'll tell you, um, like I said, a lot of crazy things are going on. This thing is not, oh, there we go. It wasn't recognized me. It's like, who do you think I am? So, um, I don't want to go back. You know, we've been going for weeks, and we find most of, uh, we started in our text scriptures, Malachi chapter 3, verse 8 through 14, but we're going to go ahead and just jump where we left off last week. You guys ready? I would encourage you, those of you who don't normally take notes, it'd be a good time because I'm going to quote some scriptures and say some things that won't be on the screen. It'd be good if you were able to jot them down uh, so you can do some study at home because this isn't going to stick if you only hear it here. Um, now, you can go on our, on our uh, Facebook and you can go on our, um, our website and you can watch the, and listen to the uh, services, but it's better if you, while you're here, there's an anointing here to receive what God has for you. There's, 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 there's a thing that's about the congregational anointing. We've gathered here, as he's instructed us, we've not forsaken the gathering together, and he's going to show up, the Bible says, wherever two or three are in the midst, he will show up. Wherever two or three are here worshiping him, he's going to show up in the midst. So God's here today, and he, he's got something to say to you. And Listen, you guys have done the hard part. You got up, you washed your face, you brushed your teeth, you put on clothes, and you came to church. That's the hardest part to get here. Now go ahead and receive what God has for you. Don't waste all of that effort by daydreaming and being distracted. Amen? So as we press into this, we're going to get some stuff that's going to open our eyes, empower us, it's going to fill our hearts. We're going to be able to bring glory to God by our faith, and God's going to be able to bring blessings he's intended for us through us being obedient to his word. Amen? You with me? So we left off in Luke chapter 11, verse 42, New Living Translation. And it says, what sorrow awaits you Pharisees? Now this is Jesus. We're, the main points that we're looking at through this series is that tithing, people say, oh, tithing was under the law. It was, but it was also before the law, and tithing is also after the law. And what I want you to understand and to see is, first of all, there's no pressure to tithe here. You don't need an excuse not to. You don't have to try to find something in the Bible that relieves you from the responsibility. If you don't want to tithe, don't tithe. God still loves you. But there's a reason why he instructs us to do it. And, and you won't ever discover or experience that reason if you just put it off for some, some excuse 
We don't need excuses here. We, most people never tithe until they grow to a point where they trust God and they look beyond the requirements to the opportunities that he presents to us. Tithing is without a doubt an opportunity for us to partner with God and him to partner with us. We partner with him in reaching the world. He partners with us in our finances and he causes us to be blessed so that we can do what? What does Deuteronomy 28.8 says? Remember the Lord who has given you, listen to this, he's given you the power to get wealth. I know there's a lot of people, because this has been abused, there's a lot of people that shy away from, oh, prosperity, it's bad. Prosperity is not bad. When you're prosperous, you could do a lot of good things. Prosperity with no purpose can be bad because you become self-indulgent. You become self-centered. It all becomes about you. And then you love your money more than anything else. And, and it's not a happy life. But when you realize that you're intended to prosper with a purpose, we're to prosper for God's glory. You understand what I'm saying? And it doesn't mean you've got to spend all the money at the church. We're not saying that. God just wants actually a small part just so your heart stays connected to what he's doing. But he wants us to be part of what he's doing. Amen? We, we support ministries, and uh, like our ministry in, in Greece, we've supported her for decades. And she's doing amazing work. People all around the world support her ministry because if they didn't, she couldn't do it. But when you tithe and give offerings to Faith Family Church, you're reaching the world. You're reaching John Smith because he goes to all the different places. You're reaching uh, Rick and, and Angie over in Myanmar who are saving kids from being kidnapped or sold into the sex trade because he has a whole place where they live and they're trained and they're given job skills so they can stand on their own and have a decent life. He's leading monasteries of monks to the Lord. When you give here, you're part of that. You're doing what God is wanting to do around the world. So we see that, we, and you know, those are benefits of tithing, but we're looking at how God has given us an opportunity. Okay, so he's talking to the Pharisees here. This is where he's teaching this. It's in Luke. It's in the New Testament of your Bible, but Jesus has not died. He's not been sacrificed on a cross yet. So technically it's still under the Old Testament, but he's giving us principles that we see all through the word. And we found out that Malachi actually was prophetic for our age. So it's not that tithing goes away. Tithing is blessed and empowered by God throughout all ages accomplish what he wants to accomplish and to draw the hearts of his followers in to what he's doing when you give to these places you your heart's connected to them and the bible says that where your treasure is there your heart will be also amen so now he's talking to the pharisees who are who are so exact on on tithing it says for you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens but you ignore justice and the love of God. So he's saying, look at this now. You guys are really strict about tithing. You do it right down to the penny, man. You, you're on it, but yet you're neglecting the heart of God, what God really wants to do. Now look what he says. You should tithe. That's, that's true. He says, you know, you're doing good there. Yes, but do not neglect the more important things. Jesus is saying as we tithe, we do it in faith and we do it in love. That's why it says he wants, he loves a cheerful giver, not a tearful giver. 
You know, people tithe out of religious duty and stuff. They, don't have, they do it begrudgingly. I got bills I could pay. And I've had people tell me this while I'm saying it. I have bills I could pay with that, but no, I got to give it to God. Well, tithing's not doing them any good. They're doing it begrudgingly. They're, they're doing it with, with the wrong heart, and it's not going to give God much to work with. But people who understand that tithing is an opportunity, and they're excited about tithing. Now, tithing does not mean you won't have any trouble. Anybody ever had trouble since you've been tithing? But God says he'll meet you in the trouble. And he'll bless what you have, and he'll get you through. And when God shows up, it's an excellent opportunity to let everybody know. Amen? So we're talking about uh, the story of Melchizedek and Abraham. And we're strategically doing this in before the law, during the law, and after the law. And I know we've gone over, and somebody's saying, are we going to talk about that again? It's kind of like peeling an onion. We see it from this side, and then, you know, we're going to peel back a layer. And today we're going to look at a little more. Amen? So I want to say this to start with. I believe that Melchizedek, and, and you know, some people don't, and that's fine. I, I don't, it's not worth arguing over. I personally believe Melchizedek is a pre-incarnate visitation from Jesus. The Bible talks about types and shadows. He, 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 he in Bible interpretation, you refer to types and shadows, like uh, Isaac was a type and shadow of Christ, carrying the wood, willing to sacrifice himself. Um, you know, Melchizedek is a type and shadow of Jesus. He's the high priest. Jesus is the high priest forever under the order of Melchizedek. So as we look at this, I just want to keep you in mind with that. And I'm probably going to start calling them Mel and Abe instead of Abraham and Melchizedek. But you know who I'm talking about, amen? So we have this, and Abraham does what? He, he, he brings the tithes and the offerings from the battle that we've looked at. We don't have to go into that. And Melchizedek brings the bread and the wine. And we talked about last week what that represents. Now, if you would, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews chapter 5, I believe, was written by the Apostle Paul. Um, you, you know, uh, actually, one of my Bibles says an epistle of the Apostle Paul. My other one says an unnamed epistle, or an epistle written by an unnamed, or no, not a named apostle. So I believe it was Paul. I think you could see the writings in it. You say, well, why wouldn't he sign his name to it? Paul was given the assignment to be the apostle to the Gentiles. Now, you have to understand, Paul was very accomplished. He was part of the Sanhedrin. He was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He was one of the big dogs. And now he's out preaching Jesus to Gentiles, which is totally against everything the Pharisees believed. I personally believe he didn't put his name to it because it would have been a roadblock for them to receive it. They would say, I'm not going to read from that traitor. And I think he held his name back. But here's what happened. He's writing to his people. He loves his people. We could see that. And he's writing to him, and this is happening about four or five years before the Romans come in and totally destroy the temple. Okay? Now, Jesus has already been sacrificed. He's resurrected. This is four or five years before the Romans come in. And if you remember when we, when we usually tell this around the Easter story where the, the veil that separated the Holy of Holies from the inner court of the temple, and uh, this was a thick the, the veil. You know, you think about a wedding veil that you could see right through. It's nothing. This was a, a curtain that was like four inches thick. Now think about the, the ability to w weave a four-inch thick curtain when you didn't have any modern machinery. You know, can you imagine moving that thing when you're going down a little? All right, everybody, pick it up. Ugh. 
you know, and they did whatever they do. But here they are, after Jesus' resurrection, they're still receiving sacrifices. And that veil, what they did was, which is just, they're not, they're not letting go of their religion. They, they literally patched it back together. So this veil that separates the Holy of Holies from the rest of the temple has this patchwork on it, where it almost like uh, it's been repaired, and, and they're still receiving these sacrifices, okay? Now, as we read this, I'm just giving you the backstory so you understand what's going on. They're not letting go of their religion. They're still presenting sacrifice, which is not removing, it's not doing anything for sin because Jesus had already been sacrificed for all sin. You guys are with me, right? I need you to get this. And they're refusing to move on and to walk with God and what he has. So the Apostle Paul writes this, he's, and he's talking about a high priest. He says in chapter 5, verse 1, he says, Every high priest taken from among men is appointed for men in things pertaining to God that he may offer, listen to this, both gifts and sacrifices for sin. Now, when you, when you, sometimes people get prophets and priests confused. Here, here's the difference. Every high priest that's taken from man is for man. What the priest does is he is, is he's on behalf of the people, he's going to God. See, he's representing the people to God. What a prophet does is prophet, a prophet in the Old Testament was used by God to represent God to the people. He would, he would give them the word of the Lord because he's, he's, the, the Holy Spirit would come on him and he would share the word of the Lord. So a prophet is from God to people. The priest is from people to God. You with me? Okay, good. I, I need you to have that clarification. So here's what happens. Every high priest taken from among men is appointed for men and things pertaining to God and may offer up both gifts and sacrifices for sin, okay? Now, as, as we look at this, we see there's two things there, but what do we know? We know that Jesus has already been sacrificed for sin, so you no longer have to bring a sacrifice for sin. But there's a second part of that, and I want you to see what it is, that he still brings gifts. Now, what that means is, remember, priests are from man. Do you have any money on you? Do you have any money on you? Are you not listening to prosperity? No, I'm just kidding. You, got, I, you always got money on you. Give me some money. Just any amount. Any amount. A hundred, whatever. Oh, never mind. I got money over here. Now, Tia is a people, right? Tia brings gifts and sacrifices for sin to the priest. The priest then takes it and presents it to God. You with me? Everybody's with me, right? Okay, thanks to you. Anyway, no, I, I, I'll give it back to you. So I, w- I want you to understand this. He says, let me, let me read it in uh, Pastor Chris's favorite translation. Uh, turn with, actually, just turn with me to this verse, and we'll go from there. Hebrews 13, verse 15, and this is in Pastor Chris's um, favorite translation little commercial, and I, actually I believe it's Nicole's too. So, and the reason is it's a word-for-word translation. They take a word, they translate it. So it's considered to be the most accurate translation, according to those who love it. 
No, it is very accurate. But the problem is for me is because it's word for word, Hebrew, Greek, Aramaic is spoken differently than English is. And sometimes you need a little setting to understand what's being said. That's why I like the new King James Version. Not that it's better. They have a few words, and there are some areas in it that are not great. But the ESV is word for word. They say this. They find the word for this in English and say this. Understand? Now, listen to what it says. This is verse, chapter 13, verse 15. Through him, let us continually offer up a sacrifice. So we no longer sacrifice for sin. We don't, no, nobody brought their lamb with them today, right? So, and we don't, we, don't, we don't sacrifice them here in the altar because that sacrifice has been made once and forever. Amen? Through Jesus Christ. But there's still a sacrifice, and we're about to see what it is. Through him, let us continue to offer up a sacrifice of praise, which you guys, you led us great today. We were praising God, and uh, I guarantee you God heard it. It was a sweet-smelling aroma to him as we were singing. Um, Continue to offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. That's That's why we sing before service. And we're taking time to put God first and declare who he is through song. Amen? But your songs need to say what Scripture says. There's a lot of Christian songs that, that are totally contrary to what the Bible says, but they got a, got a nice beat and people love them. Shouldn't do that. Your, your worship songs, your praise songs, should line up with what Scripture says. Amen? Just a little side note there for you. Well, let's keep going. That is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Verse 16, do not neglect to do good and to share what you have. Now see, this is the New Testament. So our sacrifice is the fruit of our lips, our praise. But we still bring something to the Lord. We still share from what we have. Remember you take the first fruits, the tenth, and you, you give it to God, which becomes holy. And then because you've given the first fruits to God, the rest becomes holy. Remember that? So we still are supposed to do this um, to share what you have for such sacrifices, listen to this, are pleasing to God. Now we'll read the New King James. Therefore by him let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of our lips. I believe, see that means more to me because that's telling me it should be personal. I shouldn't stand there and let somebody else sing my praise. That's why we put the words on the screen. So you can praise God. So you can declare who he is to you. Not so the team can, but so you can. It's a personal thing. The relationship with God is supposed to be personal. So the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name, but do not forget to give good and to share, for with such sacrifice, God is well pleased. Where have we heard that term, God is well pleased, before? Do you remember the story when Jesus was baptized? When he came out of the river, a voice from heaven, God himself spoke and said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. God doesn't use that word lightly. You don't find it very many places in the Bible at all. But here it says when we bring a song, we worship him with our lips. And when we bring a, sacri- you know, a, a portion of what we have, remember, don't forget to give what you have, that that's well pleasing to God. So God can be grieved. We see that in the word. But now we know that by us being obedient and following his plan, we actually are well-pleasing to him. 
We are by, you know, you say, well, what does that mean? I can't sing. God says, just, just do what you can. To him, if you're worshiping him, if you're praising him, it's a joyful noise. For me, I make joyful noises. They're not necessarily on key, and they're not necessarily sounding good. And, you know, some of you sit around me, probably pray, dear Lord, help that man with that voice. I don't have it. My kids have it. My wife has it. My daughter-in-law has it. They, they can worship like crazy. You know, you know, but God says, that's my boy. That's my boy. And, and we bring our, our, the fruit of our lips and we bring something of what we have to the Lord. And it's well-pleasing. I'm giving you reasons why tithing is not for yesteryear, but it's for today. Amen? So we find out that he's well-pleasing. Hebrews 13 tells us that by bringing that and also bringing gifts, bringing a sacrifice, bringing a tithe, it says that when we worship him and when, and it also says to give to others, when we're generous. See, God believes his kids should be like him. You know, like father, like son. We should be generous. You say, well, I don't have enough to be generous. Then you're not counting on God. You're counting on what you can produce, and you will never produce enough. You know, if you do, it will probably destroy you. Because your motive is you and not God. But when you count on God and he blesses you and he puts you in the right place at the right time and gives you an idea, you know, like an, an idea like WhatsApp. Anybody could have thought of it. But you know, the guy that came up with that sold it for like a billion dollars. Wasn't it a billion dollars? WhatsApp? It was a crazy amount of money. All these new apps and stuff and different things. What about the guy who, who invented the hydraulics, you know, the, the, the run the um, construction equipment? Do you know that he had that idea in the dream where if you push pressurized fluid through a hose, it will do amazing things like lift big buckets and, and it, it's incredible. He had that from a dream. He said that God gave him. J.L. Kraft, you ever heard of J.L. Kraft, the food? If you read his story, he attributes everything he has to God blessing him. He was, ha he was partnering with God and God was partnering with him. So many times, people who are amazingly blessed, it's because they're focusing on God and God's focusing on them, and God knows he can trust them. See, God doesn't care about getting it to you as much as he wants to make, through, he, make sure he can get it through you. Does that make sense? It's not just for you to store up. You with me? Now, we don't have time to do this, but if we studied high priests, we'd know that depending on how the high priest was, if he was good, then God would receive him and bless the nation. But if he was bad, God would reject him, and he would not bless the nation. He would hold back from the nation. As a matter of fact, they were cursed sometimes. Not cursed like a curse, but, I mean, just nothing worked for him. Tragedy came. I guess curse wasn't the right word. But they, they went through amazing struggles because their high priest was not good. So what God is, is, is showing us in this is... He has a reason and a purpose for everything. And we're not under the Levitical priesthood anymore. We, we, we don't operate that way. But the priests would receive from the people. And remember, Melchizedek is a high priest after the Abrahamic covenant. The priest receives from the people and presents to God. Well, in the Old Testament, the priest would receive the prayers of the people 
and present him to God. He, the people would come and they would talk to the priest and, and he would receive it and then he would present it to God. He represented the people to God. Made that clear, right? In Hebrews 11.6 it says that without faith it's impossible to please God. If you don't have faith, you can't even please God. We're talking about he's well pleased and we see how this operates. It's impossible to please him without faith. For listen to this, for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. For us, the high priest has been removed. Now Jesus is our high priest after the order of Melchizedek. But we have to still approach God. We come here today to approach God. But we have to do it in faith. <clears throat> we have to ask for things from God. I grew up in a church where they told me that you never ask for anything from God. If you do, that's selfish. And he, he, he'll be hurt, mad, and he will not give it to you. Now, I don't know if that's exactly what the pastor said, but that's what I heard. And I went through life afraid to ask God for anything. But yet this tells me that I have to believe that he is and he's a rewarder. See, religion can get in the way of relationships sometimes. And what we have to be able to do is discern the difference. Religion's gotten in the way of tithing. And people are missing out on an opportunity and a blessing of God in that area because religion has gotten in the way. And what we're looking at today is to find out that, no, when we do this, when we bring our, 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 our tithe and offering to God, when we bring our worship to God, it's well-pleasing to him. Amen? And we have to believe that he is, and that he's a rewarder. That's his personality. That's his characteristic. That's what it says in the Word. He's a rewarder of those who seek him. He's not an ignorer of those who seek him. He's a rewarder. So we can have this expectation as we walk out the plan for God and we pursue him to see, God, what's the next steps? Because the steps of a righteous man are ordered of the Lord. God, what's the next steps? We can expect him to be a rewarder. We can expect him to bring blessing into our life. And it's not wrong. It's not sacrilegious. It's not, it's not an abomination like some people. No, no, no. It's believing he is. And basically, he is who he says he is, which is a rewarder. Amen? So I'm, I'm getting to a point, and, and you'll see this. But I want to make a couple um, more scriptures here, and then we'll move on. Here's why we pray. You ever wonder why, why should we pray for things? There's some people that don't pray. But there's some people that pray over their kids. When their kids are sick, they pray that God would, would bring healing to their children. They pray over a situation they're facing. If they've got exams coming up, they pray that God would help them. They pray. But when you're taught things that cause this to be convoluted, oh, you can't ask for anything because God will get mad at you and stuff like that, it hinders your walk with God and your closeness, your intimacy with him. And we're going to look how worship is, is talking about God, but it's also talking to God. See, praise, we, we proclaim how good he is, how big he is, how awesome he is. Worship is, God, this is from my heart to yours. God, you're amazing. Like the song that the guys, well, actually everybody, but Hector and uh, Xavier sang, it, it, it took me right to the throne. I wasn't focused on them, and you shouldn't focus on them either, even though they're awesome. 
They're walking in the gift to lead you to that intimate place with God. You with me? Now we see that we're, we're in our prayer, there's a purpose for prayer. So many people think it's work and it's hard. Now, when you tithe, when you bring your offering to God, you should pray over it. When you send your kids to school, you should pray over them. When you get in your car, pray for a safe trip. You know, you should have this ongoing connection with God where you pray. And this is why. Prayer is not work. It's not religious exercise. Prayer is the only place where it properly puts God in his place as a giver. And we settle ourselves in a place as a receiver. When we pray, we do it with expectation. If you don't have expectation, why bother? Oh, God, you might as well just throw dice. Oh, God, a baby needs a new pair of shoes. Are you going to show up? Ah, it's not his will. That's a bunch of garbage. People say, well, everything happens for a reason. It does, but it's not always God's reason. Sometimes it's because we've opened the door and let the enemy in, and he comes in, he goes about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Are you telling him, yes, you may? Are you telling him, no, you may not? It's up to you. Our prayer is so important. And everything we do should be basted in prayer because we keep God involved in our lives. The Bible says pray without ceasing, which doesn't mean you never stop praying. It means throughout your day you converse with God. Not when somebody's right in front of you. You're not there talking to people and say, yeah, you know, I had a good night. Like, oh, Lord, thank you so much. Oh, I feel your presence on me right now. Oh, yes. That's not what it's about. It's about you talk, and then as you're walking away, you say, Father, I just thank you for meeting me today. You're going to be there when I get there. All things are going to work together for my good, Father, because you love me and you've positioned me for your favor. You talk to him. You interact with him. Does that make sense? And yes, this is leading to something about tithing. <laughs> Look with me in Mark eleven twenty two. Remember, by, when we pray, we put God in his proper place as giver, and we position ourselves in our proper place as receiver. Mark eleven twenty two says this. So Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. Well, you better have faith because we just read it's impossible to, without faith, it's impossible to please him. Jesus said, have faith in God. One translation says, have the faith of God. For surely I say to you, whosoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into sea. Now this context is talking about prayer. And you'll see what I'm talking about. For surely, in other words, no doubt, this, this is the way it works. I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, which would be an obstacle, a challenge, something has come up before you, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that these things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Remember, we're praying to God. We have faith in God. And as we say our prayers, the Bible says to believe that you receive them, and then you will have them, right? In... Uh, um, in the in the, I'm running out of time. Hmm. J uh, James chapter four tells us this. It says, "We have not because we ask not." I quoted that earlier, but Matthew nine thirty seven. 
you have to understand that God knows you have needs. When, when Don and I, we, we tithe, it goes out. As soon as money comes in, it goes out automatically. We make sure that it, we don't do anything else with our money before God gets his money. But then we look at the responsibilities we have, the situations that are coming up, whether we need a, a repair of something or we need provision for something, and then we pray about it. We believe that because we're doing it God's way, we pray, and we pray in faith to God, the giver, with us positioned as the receiver. And we declare by faith that, Father, you see the needs that we have, but yeah, he still wants us to pray. Do you remember when the, the woman at, by the well, she, she went and she talked to Jesus, and Jesus showed her who he was, and then she went to town and told everybody who he was, and the whole town's coming back, and the disciples are there with Jesus. I want you to hear what he says. He says, look, the harvest is plenty, but the laborers are few. Then he gives them the answer. Therefore, pray to the Lord that laborers would be sent. Now, God knows because Jesus is standing there, and he's talking about the situation. Here's all these people that need to hear the word, but the laborers are few. He already knows that. Why doesn't he just send laborers? He tells the people, ask the Lord to send laborers. God knows what you need, but there's something that activates the covenant that we have with God. When we position him as the giver, we see ourselves as a receiver, and we ask. So when you bring your tithe and offering, you present it to God, This is the end of this teaching. We hope you enjoyed it. To stay connected with our ministry, visit us on the web at myffc.tv or like us on Facebook.